0: Afternoon everyone, Uh, great to see you. Uh, My name is Sam, as Tom was saying. Um, Hopefully you've got a handout there. We are going to spend the first four weeks of September, or all four weeks of September, looking at the the Old Testament book of the prophet Haggai. Um, I've got a handout there which has basically got the whole of Haggai on one page. It's a really short little book. Um, Sorry it's a little bit grainy. Uh, We'll see if we can get that improved for next week. But hopefully that will give you enough uh, to help you to follow along with what we're seeing from God's Word. So I'm just going to begin by reading... Haggai chapter 1, that's our passage for this afternoon. So let's hear God's word. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses, while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and on the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month. Amen. Well, the main message of that passage, I think, is probably pretty straightforward. One of the easier kind of prophetic messages to understand. Twice, the prophet says, give careful thought to your ways. Or in the the translation I was using when I was preparing this, uh, it's slightly more punchy and it's the heading for our talk today. Consider your ways. He's saying, take a look at ourselves. Take stock. Ask ourselves how it's going. Consider your ways. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, that business gurus, I think, would encourage us to think about doing regular self evaluation as part of our our kind of work processes, to to make make time to reflect, to plan. And you can see why that's good advice, can't you? Because if we don't do that, there's a danger that we'll we'll turn into headless chickens, uh, essentially. And I think it's probably good at this particular time of year, especially, to to do some taking stock, to take a look at ourselves, some self-evaluation. Because I guess for many of us, things are getting busier this time of year. Some of us, most of us, I guess, will have been working away through the summer, but perhaps our home lives are getting busier with schools and stuff starting back. Churches are probably getting busier as well. And so before we get on that treadmill uh, that seems to run all the way through to Christmas... Uh, it's worth stopping, I think, today and asking ourselves, what are we prioritizing this autumn? And really that's going to be the kind of the question we're going to be thinking about for four weeks as we look at the prophet Haggai. Uh, we're hoping to hear what our priorities should be this autumn. Because there's a danger, isn't there, with if you do too much personal reflection, Uh, You can sort of get slightly overly focused on yourself, uh, or you can get get trapped in your own world, or there's a less polite way of putting that that um, some of you might be thinking about. Um, And that's why I think from time to time in the Old Testament, uh, that's the part of the Bible that was written before the coming of Christ, uh, from time to time, God sent prophets, messengers, people who could speak from God to the people in order to to remind them of what's important, to help them to to do a bit of self-evaluation. And that's why Haggai is sent to Zerubbabel, this governor, and to Joshua, the high priest, these leaders of the community. He's he's sent with this message, consider your ways. And that really is one of the reasons why we want to meet on a Wednesday lunchtime. Uh, We want to kind of pause for half an hour to get out of the busyness of the the office, uh, to get out of ourselves maybe and, and all the stuff that's going on in our heads and take a bit of time in the middle of the working week to hear what God's priorities are for us. So let's work through this passage uh, fairly swiftly this lunchtime and see how God might be using Haggai to help us to consider our ways. Um, The Lord speaks four separate times in chapter one, so we're going to break it up using those four speeches from the Lord. And the first thing he says is a penetrating comment. Verse one. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest: This is what the Lord Almighty says: These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. It's maybe slightly surprising, after all the build-up, that the first thing that God has to say to the people is, is sort of like a comment, an observation. He, just, the Lord, sort of just says to, to Zerubbabel and to Joshua, "What do you make of this?" this is what the people are saying. What do you think? It's not yet time to rebuild the Lord's house. That's what the people are saying. Well, to understand why this is a penetrating comment, we need to spend a bit of time thinking about the background to, uh, to Haggai. So the year here is 520 BC. That's the second year of Darius, 520 BC. We actually know the exact date of this prophecy, and it's, it's kind of about now. It's actually the end of August, so maybe a couple of weeks ago in 520 BC. Um, But there's another important date that we really need to have in mind. Um, This is a kind of much more important date in the history of Israel than the 31st of October is uh, for us at the minute. Um, The date is 586 BC. That is the date when the Babylonian army captured Jerusalem and they took the people into exile into Babylon. Okay, So that was the kind of the the watershed moment. That was the end of uh, Judah's history of having kings, of dwelling in the land all God's promises. Everything kind of came tumbling down. And then for about 66 years or so, the people were in exile in Babylon. But by 520 BC, the date of this prophecy, the people have actually been coming back. Uh, And in fact, some of them have been back in the land for about 18 years or so by now, okay? So we're kind of 18 years after the return from exile. And the people had been sent back with a specific commission their commission was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And they had, they had initially tried to do that, uh, but they'd been stopped. There'd been opposition, political pressure, and it just hadn't been possible for them to be able to, to carry on building the temple. Okay, So they, they tried that 18 years ago, and now for 18 years, they've, they've really given up on building the temple at all. Uh, I guess it seemed to them, like they were saying, the time wasn't right for them to be building the temple at the minute. Uh, They had a a totally shattered economy to try and rebuild. They had lots of work to do in their fields, in the harvest, to try to get uh, the economy back on track. And presumably the political problems were still there. They they worried that if they started rebuilding the temple, then they would get squashed by political opposition and pressure. And so I guess they just had a sense that, yes, they'd return from exile, but it didn't seem like God was really... um, wanting to bring any kind of big change God wasn't really working for them he wasn't doing anything with them just at this time and so they were saying to themselves the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house well you might be thinking well what's this got to do with me on a Wednesday lunchtime as I think about going back to my office and I suppose to answer that we need to take a sort of a bit of a step back away from the temple and think about God's purposes in general So if we go back to creation, uh, God created this world in order that we might know God and enjoy him and in order that we might worship him and that we might, as humanity, be part of bringing this whole world to worship God. That's why Adam and Eve were given a kind of a job of almost being like priests in the Garden of Eden. Their job was to to cultivate and rule the world in order to offer it uh, to God as a kind of a, a, a worship Of course, Adam and Eve didn't do that. They failed in their task. And so ever since then, God has been uh, on a project of getting us back to our original calling of worshipping God um, the way that he intended. And this temple in Jerusalem is really kind of like a stepping stone along that path of restoring the worship the way that God intended. Uh, That temple in Jerusalem was the, 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 the particular way that the people then were going to be able to worship God. But, of course, for us now, we don't have a physical temple. We've got something much better. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's own son, has come to be the perfect priest that Adam failed to be. He's the one who leads us back to worship of God now. He's the one who who restores us, who purifies us from our sin, who enables us uh, to know and love God again. And we get a commission In that, as as people who come to know the Lord Jesus ourselves, we are called to be part of this project now of rebuilding uh, the the church, the people of God who are enabled to to worship God the way that we're meant to. So that's the kind of the building project that God is calling us to here this lunchtime, uh, to be part of people coming to worship God again. But I wonder if we also, like the people in this passage, sometimes say to ourselves, The time has not yet come. The time has not yet come to be building God's house. Perhaps we're thinking that we need to really focus at the moment on building our career. We're maybe at the start of our career and we need to focus on that. Uh, And we maybe think to ourselves, well, once I've got established in my career, once I've got a little bit more flexible time, then it will be appropriate for me to throw a bit more work into building God's house and investing in the church and that kind of thing. Some of us might have a family. And again, we might be thinking it's very busy at home too busy for me to really do very much else, so I'm going to try and raise a family, and when I'm an empty nester, then I'll get on with investing in God's kingdom. Or perhaps more generally as Christians in our society today, perhaps we we think it's not time to really throw ourselves in investing in God's kingdom, because it just doesn't seem like the right time. We're worried that there's going to be a kind of a backlash against Christianity. If we poke our heads above the parapet, we're worried we'll just get crushed down. And we sort of think, it just doesn't seem like God's doing very much in Ulster today. It seems like God's pretty quiet. And so we sort of think to ourselves, why why throw my energies, why risk getting involved in something that God isn't really going to be blessing at this time? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly tempted to think along those lines uh, a lot of the time. And so that's why we need to hear, secondly, the painful question that the Lord asks. Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? So it turns out, I think, that what the people were saying was a little bit of a smokescreen uh, because they, they really didn't have any lack of ambition for their own homes. They were really keen to have very nice panelled houses. And so the Lord asked this, this painful question Is it really the right time? for you guys to be trying to build panelled houses and you're just happy are you to leave my house lying in ruins? Is that really the right priority to prioritise building your own kingdoms, your own houses and to forget about what I'm involved in and my my project? Is it really the right way of doing things to not have me at the centre of your lives? Well perhaps we might update uh, this prophecy of panelled houses uh, we thinking about uh, flat panel TVs. Um, is it right for us to be wanting to live in houses full of many flat panel TVs when the Lord's house, the church, is left to rot? Well, to encourage the people that that is the wrong choice to make, uh, to, the, to encourage them that we could say to, to put career before church is the wrong thing to do, the Lord uh, says something in verse 5. He says, Now give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it." So they are investing themselves in building their economy, trying to work really hard. It's all good, but it's not producing a lot of results. It's not giving them what they expect. And if you jump down to verse 9, you can see why that was. Verse 9, you expected much, but it turned out to be little. Because, and here's why. What you brought home, I blew away, God says, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due, and the earth its crops. So this is a specific judgment. Uh, God has... Uh, not allowed the harvests to be successful. He, he, he's, he's judging them because of their wrong priorities. And so, however much they invest in their careers, in their economic productivity, in their hard work, they're not going to have what they're looking for because God is disciplining them. Now, I am not a prophet or a son of a prophet. I'm not able to point to particular circumstances and say, this is why things are difficult for us at the moment we can't do that today but at the same time the New Testament does encourage us that if we are Christians then God is our father and he wants to discipline us as children that he loves and we should see hardships and trials that God sends in our way as as part of God's discipline of us that's in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. So if God loves you and you're his child then if he sees you over-investing in your career and under-investing in the work of, your kingdom, the work of his kingdom, don't be surprised if we own, earn money but never have enough, if we have a job but it's never important enough, if we find that the things that we're throwing our energies into actually don't produce the results that we expect. I once was working as a student worker at a church in Cambridge, and um, one thing we used to pray for the students was that God would spoil the world to them? That was like a, literally a prayer that we prayed God, please would you spoil the world to Jack. And you might think that's a really harsh prayer, isn't it? But if you think about it, if Jack was ever going to invest in God's kingdom as a bright kind of Cambridge uh, student, he needed to realize that all the stuff that glittered in the world that offered, offered itself to him for his investment was actually rubbish. It wasn't going to produce the results he, he wanted. And so we we prayed that God would spoil the world to to these guys so that they would be wanting to invest in God's kingdom. And I want to suggest this lunchtime that perhaps that's a good prayer for us to pray. Particularly when there's not much glory in Christian things at the minute. Particularly when we're all always attracted by the glamour of success, career achievement, KPIs, bonuses, and also, of course, the daily need to make ends meet. It's reality, isn't it? We've got to make our way in this world. But we need to remember that this world is not going to produce the results we expect if we overinvest in it and underinvest in God's kingdom. So God says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. The only way to really be successful is to have God at the center and to be investing in his kingdom. Well, the Lord... Uh, doesn't just sort of tell them off. He also shows them what to do. And this is the third thing that he says. This is the personal plan, verse seven. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So here's the job. Go up into the mountains, chop down the timber, bring it down, start shaping it, and build the temple with it. Sounds like hard work, doesn't it? But it also sounds like really good work, I think, doesn't it? To go and work, to roll up our sleeves and to be able to work building this temple. And God says this is work that won't get blown away by God's judgment. This is going to be work that God takes pleasure in. This is going to be work that he loves. This is going to be work that will last. And so it's good work. Well, we don't do God's work today by chopping down trees. Um, This was a sort of a personal plan for them in their particular situation. But God still wants us, I think, to invest in building his house. And the way we do that today is by, I suppose, pointing people to Jesus and helping people to to hear about him. Um, Now, that's not to say that our ordinary work is unimportant. The stuff that you guys are going to go back to this afternoon matters. It's good to work hard, it's good to do stuff that's going to benefit other people in society, it's good to work uh, trusting that you're you're serving the Lord, because uh, he loves that. He wants you to work hard in your job. But we shouldn't take that as a kind of a, a, as then just thinking, when I come into the office at nine o'clock, I'm to be all about just serving my boss, doing my job, and, and kind of forget about God's building project. God still has a building project that he's involved in, even when you're working away on on planning a new kind of street or or designing some software. God is still wanting to gather people into his church to make people part of his kingdom and help them to worship him again. Uh, Where are we here? Um, So so I kind of want to ask us, I suppose, at the start of this autumn, how are we getting involved in God's work? And how are we doing that in the workplace. How can we be using the opportunities that the workplace gives us to be part of building God's kingdom? Every Christian has received a commission to be part of that. Not just ministers. Ministers have a particular job and particular responsibilities, but all of us, I think, have a, t- have a job of being part of investing in God's kingdom. Well, at Gospel in the City, we want to try and help Christians to be able to do that at work. Because we know that that's where you guys spend a lot of your waking time, in the workplace. Um, And one of the ways that we've been thinking about how we can do this better at Gospel in the City uh, this autumn is we want to try and make uh, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news about Jesus, more part of our kind of regular rhythm at Gospel in the City. So basically, from now until Christmas, every month we're going to make sure that there's a really accessible talk uh, on every month. Um, We hope that all the talks would be ones that you might be able to invite a colleague to if they were interested, but we're going to make sure that we put on ones that are particularly easy to perhaps invite a colleague or a friend along to. So in December, we're going to put on two Carol services this year. Uh, They've been pretty popular the last few years, so instead of just doing one, we're going to try and do two this year. So that's December. But then in um, October and November, we're going to do a a couple of kind of big questions. If you look at your handout, you can kind of see what we're we're planning. Um, we're basically doing a little bit of a survey at the moment, and hopefully you saw this on your emails, where we ask our colleagues, uh, if they could ask God one question, what would it be? And we're committing to, to try and address the most popular two questions that come up in that survey, um, and we're going to do that in the first week of October and the first week of November. You can see the, the questions there. Um, so what we're hoping is that we'll all be able to take those questions away and ask around our, our offices or whatever and see what people would pick. And if they've got a different one, they can fill that in as well. Um, and so I'm, I, I suppose I'm asking us whether we might consider this as one way that we could get involved uh, over the next week or so in being part of building God's kingdom. Um, could you maybe take that away and, and even show it to somebody and maybe get, get a tick? Um, or perhaps you could email around the, the, the link to the survey. Um, either way, if we get results, fill them in on that survey, and then we'll have a look at what the most popular questions are, and we'll, we'll answer them, hopefully, over the next few weeks. So you've got, I think we've got a week to do that, okay? So if you haven't done that already, we're going to close that survey in a week's time because we need to get the speakers booked in and tell them what they need to answer. Um, so take that away and consider if that's a way that you might want to uh, be involved in investing in God's kingdom in the middle of your working day. Well, lastly, um, before we go on too long, we're just going to glance very briefly at the final thing God says, verses 12 to 15. So the people responded wonderfully to Haggai's preaching. They start making plans nearly immediately, getting the materials together uh, and that kind of thing, making preparations. And the Lord straight away sends Haggai with a fourth message, and it's in verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I guess probably their their efforts uh, really didn't look very impressive. They They were kind of looking at the wood that they were collecting. They were looking at the plans they were drawing up. And it probably wasn't particularly exciting or easy to be contemplating this project. But God wanted them to know that he took pleasure in their work. And that he would help them. I am with you, declares the Lord. Well, I've called that a pregnant promise because I guess if God is for us, then that's everything, isn't it? You kind of that, if you've got that promise to hold on to, then you really don't need to worry about everything else. We'll see more over the next uh, three weeks of, about how God kind of fills out that promise that he will be with them. Just for today, I I, I want us to just take that promise away with us, because our efforts to serve God in our workplaces are not going to be flashy, whether that's kind of getting on with our jobs, or whether it's seeking to, to share the Christian message with people. It won't be glamorous, it won't be in our comfort zone a lot of the time, and it very often won't bring obvious results. But how sweet it is to hear this word, I am with you, declares the Lord. So I want us to know that as we take baby steps in joining in in God's building project in our workplaces this autumn, God is already there ahead of us, encouraging us and empowering us. I am with you, declares the Lord. Shall we pray and ask for his help? Our Father, we, we want to say thank you that you've uh, made many of us to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, your great son, our great high priest. And we thank you that he has given us the commission of being part of this building project of gathering and perfecting of the saints to be part of your kingdom. And our Father, we pray that you'd give us wisdom as we go back to our workplaces. Give us eyes to see ways that you might make us useful in that building project, even in our workplaces, even with the many responsibilities and burdens that we carry uh, as we go back to our jobs. We pray that you'd open up ways for us to be contributing to that great work that you are involved in. And so, Father, we thank you for this promise, that as we do that, you are with us. You're with us, uh, Father. You're with us, Christ. And you're with us, Holy Spirit, even to the very end of the age. And so we thank you and pray that you would go with us uh, as we go back to our workplaces. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.